We may never know, Uther. I intend to live forever. How dare you show your face here? Uh, faces. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at that, you idiot! A lot of story there, a lot of lore uh, for those of you who are into that kind of thing. I love you. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Lore, the podcast that explores where we've been and where we may go next in the world of Warcraft. Welcome, everyone, to Live, Laugh, Lore, episode 55. I know how to count all the way to 55. The show that goes long and hard. Each episode, we'll check in, have some laughs, and talk all about the lore of Warcraft one or two topics at a time. My name is Jin, the one that can always make a whole lot from a little. And I'm joined by someone that really wants to say, "'Tis what she proclaimed when I said that intro joke." It's Allie! (laughs) Or the entire thing, not just the intro joke, but even, like, your intro... Like your your little like my name is Jin part like mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah. Mm, I, mm-hmm. I I I can also do that but that's a whole different story it's it's yeah. it's fine yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so Allie what you been up to how you been hmm? oh goodness what how, how what what have I been do- what have I been doing the last two weeks I don't even know my raid all, we all kind of sigh we're getting a little, little tired of season four my wish came true so we cut raid to one night a week for now until you know the next tier comes out. And we are only doing normal. We're chilling together, having a good time. And we're working on raid achievements as we go along, which is exactly what I was hoping for. So I'm so happy. It's just fun little things. And it's it's a little more low-key because it's normal and less stressful, which is lovely. And I have been doing a Return to Monkey Island. <gasps> is that new? stream on Sunday. Really? Yeah, it just came out on the 19th. Beautiful. On talk like a pirate day. Oh my International God. pirate day. Yar. It's so much fun. It's it's che- is as cheesy and corny as you expect it to be. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I put out another episode of Dungeon Fables. <gasps> it's I brought it back from, from hiatus. Yeah. <sighs> it, was, it was only six month hiatus. It's, it's it's fine. It's fine. But hey, it's back. That so that that was also a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was a good episode. I heard listen to it. Yeah, just check it out, everybody. Well, actually, you should, if you didn't listen to the one before it, you should probably listen to that one and then listen to this one because it was in the middle of a raid. So, you know, it's, it is a little, uh, yeah, it was kind of awkward timing. It's, it's yeah. true. Hey, but it's, you know, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Life happens. Yeah. Comes at you fast, yeah. man. It's true. That's what it does. Yeah. But that's that's about it for me, really, other than just blabbing on about random stuff. So what have you been up to? Me. Uh, you. I'm, I'm still running. Yep. I got about 10 more weeks-ish. Yep. Ten more weeks till marathon time. Yep, and um, I killed my first pair of shoes already. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh my god, I, I I had them less than a well, no, not less, uh, less than it was more than it was more than a month. But the fact that I did, I, I ran through the first pair of shoes in like a month and a half. Lord Almighty, yeah, that's that's weird. But anyway. That's an achievement. Is that some kind of like meta achievement or something? I don't know if it would be a meta achievement. I think it's just straightforward. Just like, yep, you did it. You, I mean, I actually think you can get a badge in my little Garmin app when you retire a pair of shoes. So, <laughs> did, so you, yeah, did you get your badge? Achi- I haven't, did you get your badge, Jen? I didn't technically retire them yet. They're still there because I was like, maybe I could squeak out a couple more miles. Maybe. Maybe. I, I haven't done it yet. Though. No, but then that what they become like your junker work shoes that you wear when you're painting yep. or when you're moving or when you don't care. What better, you're doing. You just need something those. on your feet. But I have those because these are like only like a month and a half old. So I already had some of those. So it's like, wow, I'm, I'm swapping out shoes really fast now. <laughs> <laughs> now you have newer junk shoes. It's fine. Yeah. New, newer junk <laughs> shoes. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. It's it's fine. It's, it's fine. less junky junk shoes, I guess. Something like that. <laughs> junky junk. <laughs> Speaking of junky junk shoes, uh, I got my slime kitty. And then the raid team... Is it wearing junky junk shoes? I'm so confused by that transition. No, don't worry about that transition. Oh, oh, this is okay. Speaking of junky junk shoes <laughs> that are made of slime, I got a cat that is made of slime. And I can ride it because it's big. And I got it now. 
And then the raid said, you know what? We've been going pretty hard since like freaking Battle Dizarra lore. Going long and hard, everybody. Um, so we're going to take a break. That's a lot of long. That's a lot of hard. And we're going to stop. <laughs> so it was basically see y'all in 10.0. <laughs> Stay tuned for recruitment stuff because... When we go, when we go hard, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we need new people, I guess. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what happened. We need more people for our <clears throat> epicness, I guess. For your group epicness? <laughs> yeah, this is 10 minimum. Gotta have at least ten. <laughs> I might bite a hole for my tongue this episode. You might actually. You might. And and um, that's uh, that's I'm not I'm not mature enough for a clean show not anymore. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Well, unless you get nothing else, I got nothing else. I've got, I've got, you I killed got me nothing? already, and right. we're not, yeah. we are six, we are just shy of seven minutes into this recording, you already killed me, so. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a great episode, uh, everybody. Yep. Yep. Speaking <laughs> of great, speaking of great, let's talk about this. Nothing beats a brew shared between friends. You're damn right. This is a good one. Uh-huh. This is a really good one. So, dear listeners, if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain... But you don't have a blender. Have I got a drink for you? Because <laughs> all it takes is a shaker. Mm-hmm. All you need is a shaky shake. A little, it's true. A little shimmy, a little shake, and some ice, obviously. It's called a painkiller. All right? Because when I run over 50 miles in a week, sometimes I'm in pain. Sometimes. And uh, sometimes you need a little painkiller. So that's that's why I picked this one. And also there's rum in it. So <laughs> all these are true statements. <laughs> and I have my own pain with when, when you're when you're a teacher mm-hmm. and, and and you're you don't want to be a teacher anymore, but you still gotta be a teacher for the time being. Yeah. And the little children in your care are driving you crazy. Right. Painkiller. <laughs> there it is. That's great. It it dulls it, it kills the pain. And the thing is, is when they're like, hey they're Hey there, guy that's going to make this drink. You should get yourself uh, some nutmeg. Get yourself some nutmeg. Make yourself a little garnish. And they even said, like, freshly grated, like, where you get the, the nuts. You get the actual nuts and you grate it. Oh, I totally did that. I went to, like, Whole Foods and everything. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to find whole nut nutmegs, they're going to be here. They were. I found them. So, yeah, and I discovered that, you know, garnishes aren't really for the flavor. But, man, when you stick your face up here... You can take a drink, you get that little nutmeg, like little little wafting, you eat that nutmeg, it adds to it. It's a beautiful thing. Is, it, is this just more for the, the smell of it? Oh, yeah. It's for the smell of it. It totally All is. Right. It's, it adds to the smell, and then because, like, smell is, like, like it goes with the flavor of the thing. It, it, like, makes it taste It's all better. connected. It's all connected. It's beautiful. I was like, what? I don't know why this works, but it does. It totally does. You got all fancy the garnishes. I, I did not... I yeah, do not. Yeah, you got fancy with the orange juice in there, because I, because <laughs> I was like Tropicana, bitch. I'm not freshly squeezing this. Mm-mm. It said freshly squeezed, so I freshly squeezed it with my own loving hands. <laughs> I squeezed it good and hard, and got that juice. <laughs> now you're doing it to me. Look at that. <laughs> my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see what you need is you need one of them electric uh, juicers to get the juice out for you. This is like. It does. It's like it's like wow. I don't, wham, I don't wham, have wham. one of those. I'm not. I'm not fancy. I don't have that. I don't even have the. What is the thing I was describing to you before? You, you put the fruit on it and you, you twist it and it's got. I a think little, they call that a juicer. Yeah. I don't even have one of those. Yeah. yeah I literally go. squeezed it with my hands. Uh, yeah. I need to get at least one of. Just a cheapo plastic version. Just. Just you know the little electric one that I got was it. like twenty bucks at Walmart. It's not exactly super high class fanciness, but it does save me a lot of time. Well, it's more high class than me, apparently. Well, yeah, you don't have like, one. Like, like, just like squeezing the crap out of it. Just here. manhandling them. It's great. <laughs> Woman handling? Yeah. Whatever. I'm what gonna drink more. Yeah. You, that's you fine. gonna do that? That's fine. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I am gonna do. Uh, oh, I was supposed to think I was gonna press that button, but no. 
Uh, since no. you drank more, you get to no, tell I'll, everybody. I, I, yeah, 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 you get to tell yeah. everybody about Patreon. That's what you get to do. Because painkiller, okay, it's great. So, ten out of ten, I love it. You know what? Also, yes, ten out of ten. But another painkiller is the patrons Hello. who show us that they love us and it kills our pain. It's a good time. So, hey, everyone, <laughs> do you like supporting shows that talk about hobbies and interests that you're also into? Do you find yourself talking back to the hosts out loud while listening in the car or riding on train or doing, doing cleaning or taking your dogs for a walk or working? answer yes to any of those or you're just rolling your eyes at me stay tuned until the end of the show and find out how you can keep this show and our silly habits going mm-hmm. all right all right so i gotta i gotta where'd it go where'd it go oh it's this one how am i supposed to live laugh love in these conditions i don't know and today's especially interesting because i did all my normal digging i did all my normal uh looking and and looking for the the goods i was searching for it and and I, I found nothing. So today's ABK News update is... We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Editor Jin just jumping in here to say, hey, there was some story to talk about here. So, hey, remember Fran Townsend? You know, the person that sent that horrible email when all the sexual allegations stuff came out? And she was like, what are you talking about? This is old news. This is out of context. and This is bad. And pretty much everyone's response was, yeah, that is completely and utterly horrible and completely out of touch. And she doesn't know what she's talking about. Well, anyway, she's out. Yep. As of a article from Bloomberg, September 30th, came out saying that uh, Activision Blizzard's uh, chief compliance officer, Fran Townsend, is stepping down. Now, that's some good news, right? That we all like that, that Fran Townsend is uh, is bye-bye. Because, yeah, she also served under George W. Bush and was, like, cool with torture. So, yeah, don't like her. Don't like her one bit. Anyway, that's it's not all good news, though, because she apparently is now serving as an advisor to the board of Activision Blizzard and is, like, a advisor... Specifically to um, freaking Bobby Kotick. All right. It's like, okay, she's a horrible person and does terrible things, but apparently we're going to listen to her advice, though. So anyway, not all good news, but, um, you know, it's nice to know that she's gone. So goodbye. See you later. All right. And that's it. That's that's all the news there is. And I will uh, let everyone get back to the show where we left off. Okay. See you later. What you talking about? So, one thing that Blizzard has put out recently to get everyone all pumped up for Wrath Classic. Wrath Classic is out right now. Like, it just came out. Or a week ago for everyone else listening right now. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they put out a little, a little little, thing on Twitter that I noticed. And they probably put it out other places, but I noticed it on Twitter. Well. It is the lore in short video, describing a bit about who Arthas is. Well, we don't do anything short around here. <laughs> so we're going to take that video, and we're just going to go nuts explaining everything that they left out. So, if you're into the lore, and you want to give this to a friend of yours to do a deep dive explanation into the story surrounding Arthas, this is going to be a good episode to share with them. So if you're just like, hey, you like Wrath Classic? Here's an episode, and it'll, it'll catch you up. You get everything, because we're, seriously, we're going to go nuts. Could go nuts. Like my freaking nutmeg, going nuts. So nutty. Mm-hmm. So, before we go any further, let's go ahead and listen to Jaina Pradmore explaining to you a little bit about Arthas. Arthas Menethil, son of King Tyrannus Menethil II, the ruler of Lordaeron. As a promising young paladin, Arthas was trained in combat by Muradin Bronzebeard and learned the ways of the light under Uther the Lightbringer. Soon after his induction into the Knights of the Silver Hand, a plague gripped the Northlands of Lordaeron. I joined Arthas to help investigate an insidious disease that caused the dead to rise again. After fighting the infected undead, we encountered the necromancer Kel'Thuzad and discovered his plans to infect outlying villages 
under the orders of the Dreadlord, Malganus. We set out to stop the demon before he could reach his next target, the city of Stratholm. But we arrived too late. The citizens had already consumed poisoned grain that would doom them to rise into undeath. To stop the plague from spreading further, Arthas ordered his knights to purge the entire city. Uther and I were horrified and refused to obey his cruel command. Those who remained loyal to Arthas joined him and began the culling of Stratholm. Arthas sought vengeance upon Malganus, but the demon slipped away to the frozen land of Northrend. While leading his forces in pursuit of Malganus, Arthas came upon his former mentor, Muradin, searching for a powerful blade called Frostmorn. When the sword was found, Muradin read its inscription and warned the prince that the weapon was cursed. But Arthas believed that the blade would give him the power to save his people. When the weapon broke free, a shard of ice struck Muradin down. Heeding the call of Frostmourne, Arthas claimed the sword and left Muradin for dead. With Frostmourne in hand, Arthas confronted Malganus, who told him the voice he was now hearing was that of the Lich King, Ner'zhul. Obeying his new master, Arthas slew the Dreadlord and abandoned his troops as he pushed deeper into the frozen north. When Arthas returned to Lordaeron, the kingdom rejoiced at the homecoming of its beloved prince. But that joy turned to ashes when Arthas entered the throne room and ran the accursed blade through his father's heart. Arthas scourged the land in the name of the Lich King, Ner'zhul. To reach the throne of his master, Arthas had to face Illidan's storm rage. After a grueling battle, the victorious Arthas ascended to the frozen throne. He drove his blade through the ice releasing the spirit of Ner'zhul from its icy prison. The two beings merged into one and became the true Lich King. Should he rise again from the frozen north, all of Azeroth will face his wrath. Alright, that's beautiful. I love it. But, yes, in typical Live, Laugh, Lore fashion, we are now going to be breaking down every single thing that Jaina said and explain what she is talking about. But before we go any further, there is one important thing that we need to discuss. It's only appropriate to tell who the heck is Jaina and why is she the one doing the narration? So I would say to you, Allie, please take it away. Who the heck is Jaina? Jaina is the one in ICC that goes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of my king. No, so Jaina, <laughs> when she's not <laughs> when she's not playing the damsel like that, Jaina Proudmore is daughter to Catherine and Derek Proudmore, who are the rulers of the island nation of Colteris. So when she was young, she showed you know, great promise and magic, and to ensure those talents didn't go to waste, Derek and Catherine agreed it would be best to send her daughter to their daughter to Dalaran from you know just to learn from the Kirin tour. It's a good idea. On the way to Dalaran, Jaina and her family visited Lordaeron. And this is when Jaina first met Arthas, his magical. Granted, she was only 11 at the time and Arthas was 12, but it was still magical. It's fine. <laughs> In an attempt to get to know Jaina better, Arthas asked to escort Jaina the rest of the way to Dalaran. And his father was thrilled. As was Arthas, because he's like, oh, she's a cutie. I want to I go hang out with her. <laughs> but much later, much, much later... Two of them were older, around 17 or 18. Arthas and Jaina pass crossed again. This time, you know, being older, they actually started up a romance and it went pretty damn far. So far that the conversation of the children's hair will be blonde for sure freaked Arthas out to the point that he had to, quote, focus on becoming a paladin and broke the relationship off. The next time the two of them would meet is described in the video when they were tasked to investigate the grain. Yeah. So, 
When Jaina was like, hey, yeah, so I was sent to do that thing. They already had a pass together. It's like, oh my gosh, Jaina, how you doing? Like when you play the video game or read the uh, book, it's it's all there. She's older and beautiful now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah, and the, the really funny thing is that when you read uh, Arthur's uh, Rise of the Lich King, uh, yeah, he was very much like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and then also like, well, you're like going to be like this really powerful mage. Shouldn't you like focus on your career and everything like that? Yeah, that's that was Arthas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Arthas was being a, I don't know, he's afraid of commitment, I guess. When he was, you know, 18. Anyway, so next up. Next up in the video, one of the first things that uh, is mentioned is... Arthas Menethil, son of King Tyrannus Menethil II, the ruler of Lordaeron. Well, you've got a good idea of who Arthas is now, but who is King Tyrannus? And where is Lordaeron and Azeroth? Right. Well, Lordaeron is the name of the northernmost continent of the Eastern Kingdoms and was named after General Lordane of the first great human nation, Arathor. The city that most people call Lordaeron is actually named Capital City, but is now Undercity, right? If you actually play in the game, it's Undercity. That's that's freaking Lordaeron, what everyone refers to it as. Anyway, King Tyrannus Menethil was the ruler of the kingdom of Lordaeron since before the First War. He was so going all the way back, First War. If you ever hear uh, First War, that's Warcraft One. The second, the second war is Warcraft Two, right? It's just the video games, right? And he was instrumental in the forming of the First Alliance during the Second War, and personally ensured King Varian Wren of Stormwind had a capital to go back to once the Horde was defeated. So, he's got a little bit of a history, not a ton in the story, but he is very instrumental in a lot of uh, important points, particularly in the Alliance and all that good stuff. So, there would be no Stormwind to speak of uh, if it wasn't for King Terranus, because he was the one that basically was like, no, we should probably help rebuild that thing. It was kind of important. True. All right. Now, would you like to take the next one, Allie? The next little quote? That we're I would happily. Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for the bronze beards. Me too. Since since I first rolled up my rogue, who's a dwarf? Because Bran, let's be honest. But this isn't necessarily about Bran. More Muradin. Yes. Arthas was trained in combat by Muradin Bronzebeard. Muradin was training Arthas. In combat, they come, kind of became friends, kind of mentors. So Muradin is the brother to both King Magni Bronzebeard and my buddy Bran Bronzebeard. And as he put it... With brothers like that, I'd feel a wee bit overshadowed. If I didn't kick so much ass! That <laughs> was from yeah. Here's the Storm. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the Heroes of the Storm lines are just phenomenal. They're, they're just so good. And actually, Muradin in Heroes of the Storm is actually a lot of fun to play. But he was a hero of the Alliance during the Second War and later served as an ambassador to Lordaeron. During his time as ambassador, he once saw Arthas playing with a wooden sword, pretending to attack a suit of armor, kind of made fun of him. It was a whole thing. Somehow the suit of armor won, <laughs> and Muradin was so embarrassed that Arthas had agreed to teach him to fight. And it was a good thing, too, because, well... He, re- he really sucked. It was it was kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah, he was like... <laughs> I swear, Muradin probably looked at him and was like, Oh, no. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's just like that. We're not, we're not going to tell anyone about what I just went through. This is... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you know which end of the sword to hold? <laughs> I can only imagine... How, how, yeah, yeah. In the book, he was just like, oh, my God, this kid, what is wrong with him? <laughs> it was Basically, beautiful. it was beautiful. All right. So the next little quote that we're going to go over that was specifically in this little trailer is and learned the ways of the light under Uther, the light bringer. But you're probably thinking, who the hell is Uther? Right? There's a lot of these names that keep throwing being they throw out there. So that's why we're here. We're going to explain. Anyway. Uther was one of the original founding members of the Knights of the Silver Hand. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that is in a minute. (laughs) All right. When the Horde appeared to have the upper hand in the Second War, it was Alonza's Fowl. He's a priest. He's one of the OG priests going back to even the First War and all that good stuff. He sure is. Anyway, so Alonza's Fowl believed that either teaching priests how to fight or teaching knights how to wield the light would turn the tide in battle. 
Well, he was right, and Uther led the very first order of paladins in battle against the Horde to great success. This is... Alonsus Chapel and Stratholm. The day I became the first of the paladins. After the war, Uther served the people of the Alliance and mentored new paladins. And he took great interest in Arthas as well, as he saw him more as a talented nephew than just another student. Or in the words of Uther, he was my student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Uther... Very, he's, he's literally the OG, one of the OG paladins. There was like six of them. And we'll tell you more about him in a second. Um, yeah, he is one of the, probably one of the most important characters in the early lore, especially when it comes to paladins. It's why he's also in Hearthstone. Hi. <laughs> All right. You want to take the next one, Allie? Yes. Soon after his induction into the Knights of the Silver Hand, yeah, that's that's a thing. Arthas was inducted into the Knights of the Silver Hand. So the Knights of the Silver Hand, for those who don't know, were a group of paladins that Alonsus Fowl thought up, got Uther the Lightbringer, Satan Dathrahan, Gavinrad the Dyer, Tyrion Forgering, and Torellian. <laughs> they were basically, they were the first class of paladins. The OG, if you will. So when Arthas was inducted into the Knights of the Silver Hand, he was unsure of himself. Feeling nervous, Arthas? Honestly? Yes. I see your devotion to the light and feel doubt cloud my heart. You've taught me so much, Uther, but I sometimes wonder if I'm truly meant to walk this path. And it seemed as if the light was hesitant to shine upon him. But in time it did, and Uther presented him with some glowy shoulder plates, because that's what paladins have. It's like a requirement. Yeah. Glowy shoulder plates. And it's like, here you go, you're officially paladin now, your shoulders glow. So, anyway, that's what Uther did. He's like, you're a member of the Silver Hand now. You're you're great, you're awesome. This is, there it is. And he was super, he was super hesitant. He's like, I don't know, what if I'm not worthy? And that's when Uther gave him the great speech. We're, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. Right? And that's why it's so amazing, the gift that the light gives upon us. I don't know, that's what he said. All right, so... Next quote was, I joined Arthas to help investigate an insidious disease that caused the dead to rise again. Well, this disease was the creation of Kel'Thuzad. Minions, servants, soldiers of the cold dark, obey the call of Kel'Thuzad. Kinda. Maybe. <laughs> Shadowlands <laughs> has something to say about that, but... Mm. <laughs> Yeah. For now, we're going to say it was a creation of Kel'Thuzad. <laughs> anyway, we'll hear more about him soon. Anyway, it was Jaina's mentor, Archmage Antonidas, that sent Jaina's to help Arthas investigate. So remember when we said that Jaina was going to be sent off to the Cairn Tor? Well, Archmage Antonidas was one of the main head dudes. Who, I believe he was actually a member of the Council of Six who led the Cairn Tor at the time. Uh, yes. And he was like, and Jaina was... Effectively, Archmage, Archmage Antonidas's like favorite student, and also like her main, uh, his main helper, kind of like her second or his secretary. He was just like, mm. anyway, God, I, I almost view it as like you know when you're an early lawyer and you go clerk for the Supreme Court. It's kind of like that. She was kind of like the clerk for the Council of Six, dude. So there you go. All right, let's see if I miss anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Jaina to investigate. Anyway, so he sent her because he needed to send his best student, which that was Jaina. And Jaina had become very powerful at that point. So she was pretty freaking awesome. Anyway, next up. Take it away, Allie. So next up. We encountered the necromancer Kel'Thuzad. Now, if you've been playing Shadowlands, if you've been raiding, we, we beat up Kel'Thuzad. But that was not his first appearance in the game. So, you know, like Jen said, we talked about KT again. A.K.A. Kel'Thuzad. Believe it or not, Kel'Thuzad had actually once been a human. He was a member of the Kirin Tor, and Jaina knew him in passing, though. Kel'Thuzad had been driven mad by the whispers in his head, and it caused him to break the rules of Dalaran and study necromancy. <gasps> Gasp. He was caught when it was discovered that he had been practicing to bring dead rats back to life. As, you know, zombie rats, because no one wants zombie rats. So, of course, they got mad and they cast him out of Dalaran. And he traveled to Northrend, where he was escorted around by a ziggurat. 
in a ziggurat, around a ziggurat. You're escorted by a ziggurat? That'd be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Ziggurat was leading him where to go. (laughs) So he's escorted around, around inside a ziggurat. He was in it. (laughs) And his escort was an Uberak. And he witnessed firsthand how gruesome the Lich King really was. Eventually, he climbed Ice Crown Spire and pledged his loyalty to the Lich King. Yeah. yeah this it was is, a spire originally. Yeah, yeah. It was just, just a little spire. The, all the, so when you go to Ice Crown Citadel these days, the, all the, 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 the middle and building and stuff, that came later. That was built around the spire. Yeah, if you go inside, that big block of ice right there in the middle, that's the spire. That's a spire, yeah. yeah. All right. So, let's see. Oh, and one other thing, just talking about how gruesome it was. One of the things that he did witness, and this is all from the short story, Road to Damnation, is he just went in there, and they were experimenting on a husband and wife, and the wife turned into a zombie first, and then she got up and ate her husband. And he was like, dude, this place is messed up. So that's the kind of stuff that he was witnessing and how gruesome the Lich King really was. It was a... Uh, it's pretty messed up, like I said. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, so next up. Next up is... And discovered his plans to infect outlying villages under the orders of the Dreadlord, Malganus. Okay, Dreadlords are demons. If you didn't know, Dreadlords, those are demons. That'll originate from the Shadowlands. Specifically, Revendreth. And they have infiltrated the other five realms, and Melganus specifically implanted himself within the Twisting Nether, which is the Chaos Realm, right? So the Realm of Chaos. So there's Order and there's Chaos. You get the idea. And he was all up, hey, I'm in the Burning Legion now. So Melganus was specifically sent to Azeroth to watch over the Lich King and to make sure he doesn't get out of hand. This will make a whole lot more sense later, because if you're like, wait, what? Lich King out of hand? Yeah. You'll you'll see. We're, it's not going to make sense yet. <laughs> yeah. In fact, there was a whole bunch of Dreadlords that were sent there, not just Malganus. It's true. There's like five or six of them, if I remember correctly. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, this is a, this is a really quick one. I'll just grab this one and you get the next actual real one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so the next one is... We set out to stop the demon before he could reach his next target, the city of Stratholm. What we arrived too late... The citizens had already consumed poisoned grain. Yeah, not much to talk about here. Stratholm is going to get messed up real short. <laughs> they messed up Stratholm. Well, no, when I say they, Arthas did and his men, because like she said, Uther, Jaina, she's like, no, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Oh, and see, I saved this specific one for you. Uh, if you see. Oh, yeah, yeah, you sure this, did. This, you sure did. You. All right, go ahead and take the next one. <laughs> so next up, Jaina says... Arthas sought vengeance upon Malganus, but the demon slipped away to the frozen land of Northwind. And he did. You know, as it's mentioned, Arthas went and called Stratholm. You know, n- nothing about quarantine or anything like that. Just killed them all. And then found Malganus at the end. And they fought for a little bit. And then Malganus, you know, leaves. And Arthas is like, ah! I'll hunt you to the ends of the earth if I have to. To the ends of the earth! <laughs> it is. It's just it. like that. Just yeah. like that. <laughs> so yes, uh, this is when Malganus just pieces out. <laughs> Says, hey man, if you want to keep this little feud thing going, whatever, just go ahead, meet me up in Northrend. So that's what Arthas did. He went to Northrend with as many men as he could possibly find. Mm-hmm. Took a bunch of boats too. They didn't talk about the boats, but we might tell you about the boats. It's messed up. Yeah, we should, we should we should talk about the boats. Yeah, we should talk about the boats. All right, so next up. So, oh, oh, Arthas. While leading his forces in pursuit of Malganus, Arthas came upon his former mentor, Muradin. Kinda. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, you were, they were trudging through Northrend. They're over there. I believe they actually landed in Borean Tundra, so all those who are probably questing are probably already, like, what, max level now. Well, you landed in Borean Tundra, and there was a whole bunch of stuff, and the whole thing's going on, blah, 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 you get the idea. Well, one thing that was going on is, Meriden and his dwarven buddies were shelling the place <laughs> with a whole bunch of mortars, and uh, Arthas' men almost got caught up in that, and uh, so that's how, that's how they ran into, 
how they were in there. So, well, he was very happy to see his old badass mentor was out there kicking some ass and taking names. He's like, sweet. I'm gonna go hook up with my, my buddy who kicks up so much ass. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. So much. So much ass. All right, you want to get the next two since the next one's really short? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So then Jaina says, Searching for a powerful blade called Frostmourne. It's, it's true. There's no real context needed. They just went looking for Frostmourne to go help them. It's fine. Moving on. <laughs> she also says, When the sword was found, Muradin read its inscription and warned the prince that the weapon was cursed. But Arthas believed that the blade would give him the power to save his people. Honestly, Arthas was kind of acting a lot like D&D players. Hmm, the sword gives me plus five to hit, extra 2d6 psychic damage. Oh, and it steals the enemy's soul if the sword dealt the killing blow. Oh, what's this? I must make a wisdom save DC 35 or be taken control of by the blade. Worth it. <laughs> Arthas didn't quite make that make make that 35. I don't think anyone's going to make a DC that's 35 a wisdom save. <laughs> um, th- that's really... That's that's a high. That's a high number. It's really high. <laughs> it, it didn't didn't work. Didn't work. Nope. No, not at all. So, uh, let's talk about Frostmourne. It's kind of important. It's it's a big part of this. But again, this all won't make sense yet. Well, eventually, if this story is new to you, the blade Frostmourne was originally created by the Primus. Who's that? It, don't worry about it. It's it's fine. And it was eventually put in the possession of the Dreadlords, who took it to the Twisting Nether. The other item originally created by the Primus in their possession was the Helm of Domination, a powerful artifact granting the wearer psychic control over undead. And Frostmourne was a blade that could rip the soul of its victims from their corpse. Okay, now back to the Dreadlords for a moment, because I just love talking about Dreadlords. They have the sword and helm, right? So the Helm of Domination, Frostmourne, and they plan to use it. So what is that plan exactly? Summarize it as quickly as possible. Let me explain. There is too much. Let me sum up. These Dreadlords are members of the Burning Legion. The Burning Legion was formed by the fallen titan Sargeras to rid the universe of all life. So, during Sargeras' crusade to destroy all life, he learned of the existence of Azeroth and he went to invade it because it contained a world soul more powerful than any other known in existence. That's why Azeroth is important to everyone. So approximately 10,000 years ago, he made his first attempt to invade during the War of the Ancients, failed. Next attempt was a clever usage of proxy fighters, known as the Orcs, to invade. First war went you know, pretty well. Second one, not so much. And now the new plan is to invade Azeroth and call its inhabitants and turn them into zombies under the control of their agent, the Lich King. Okay, more on that later, though. A lot more. Yes, a lot more. <laughs> okay, hope, hope you're tracking so far. It's a lot of a lot of yarn, right? You, you get your yarn and your 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 crazy board. Yeah. So here we go. Next <laughs> one. When the weapon broke free, a shard of ice struck Muradin down, heeding the calm of Frostmorn. Arthas claimed the sword and left Muradin for dead. Yep. And if you've never played Wrath of the Lich King, I will let uh, you learn what happened on your own. No spoilers. No spoilers. It's so worth to learn it on your own. It's mm, it's so great. So great. Just so you know, for like 10, 15 years, we just thought he was dead. So I'm not going to tell you what happened to him. No spoilers. Maybe he's dead. So they know. <laughs> and that's why he's in here as a storm. He's dead, right? That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's exactly what it is, right? That's, that's fine. Okay. 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 So, so next one. With Frostmourne in hand, Arthas confronted Malganus who told him the voice he was now hearing was that of the Lich King, Ner'zhul. Okay. Strap in for a bit. <laughs> Bring it. Let's do it. I'm going to do my best to explain who this is without going overboard. It might be a little <laughs> overboard. <laughs> Maybe just, just a little bit. We go long, as yeah, you said. We go long. Real long, everybody. Real long. <laughs> so, Ner'zhul, in his early life, was an orc shaman, right? So... Hey, if you're running around doing your quest in Wrath of the Lich King, and you're like, why did the Lich King just say he was a shaman? That's why. <laughs> Ner'zhul was a shaman. All right? 
In fact, he was a damn good one and a leader of the Shadowmoon clan back on their homeworld of Draenor. But to understand the history of the orcs, you'll need to know about the Draenei. So, here we go. Long ago, when Sargeras first got corrupted, he discovered a planet inhabited by an incredibly advanced race known as the Eridar. The Eridar were ruled by a triumvirate, made up of three of the wisest among him. There was Kil'jaeden, Archimonde, and Velen. Well, Sargeras approached the three of them and offered them to join his beautiful crusade. They were going to do amazing things, just like the crusades that happened in real life. So good. It's going to be great. It's going to be grand. Um, and, uh, and Kil'jaeden and Archimonde were like, hell yeah. But Velen could see through Sargeras and knew that he could have no part in the madness. So he managed to gather roughly one third of the population and escaped thanks to these beings of light known as the Naru. Not really more on that later, just know that they're a thing. So Velen and his refugees spent several thousands of years running from planet to planet in an attempt to hide from Kil'jaeden because Kil'jaeden really took this thing really personally. It was like a really bad breakup and he got, I don't know, it was, it was a thing. He had personal vendetta against, against Velen. He's like, that bastard. We got bad blood. All right. Well, around this time is when Velen renamed themselves to Draenei, which is Eridar for exile. They're the exiled one. Okay. Okay. Fast forward, like, a lot. Uh, and the Draenei have crash-landed on a new planet. They crash-landed. Like, no getting off this one again, because they've been bouncing from planet to planet for a while. They're stuck here now. So, Draenor, the homeworld of the orcs. They kind of named it after themselves. They're weird. Uh, <laughs> so, for about 200 years, the two groups of people are getting along just fine. But the Burning Legion finds the Draenei, and this time they can't run away since their ship crash-landed on the planet. But the Legion scouts didn't know this. They were like, oh, these crafty little guys, they always know we're coming, so we better we better use subterfuge, right? Or they'll run away again, and we'll, we'll lose track of them. So that's, that's what happened. All right, so let's see. They take a more subtle approach and begin to influence the orcs into no longer trusting the Draenei. The target they chose to sway the opinion of the orcs was none other than Ner'zhul. You see, Kil'jaeden, often known as the Deceiver, came to Ner'zhul in his dreams, appearing as his dead wife, Rol Khan. And he pretty much told him to no longer trust the Draenei. He was like, hey man, Draenei are bad. We're orcs. We should like, speed them up. <laughs> That's kind of what he said. Okay, so fast forward a bit, and the demons have gotten their clutches into the orcs so much that the shaman are no longer able to call on the elements. Because, you know, the shaman, they do the element thing. You get the idea. If you play a shaman, you're like, oh yeah, call down the elements. Well, the whole shamanism thing isn't working anymore because the elements are pissed. Because... They're like, don't, don't do this. This is bad. Anyway, so the elements are pissed, and um, yeah, they're no longer they're no longer able to call on the elements to aid them in battle against the Draenei. Yeah, they're at war with them now. Mm -hmm. So this freaks out Ner'zhul, and he goes to commune with the spirits at one of the people's holiest sites, Ashagun. It happens to be the crash-landed ship of the Draenei. <laughs> Fun fact, right? Well, this is when he finds out that he's been duped. But when he tries to go back to tell everyone what was going on, his apprentice, Gul'dan, stops him. The whole Gul'dan. He's like, mm-mm, no, no, we're not, we're not going back. We're, we're going we're gonna to play this game. So let's just say Gul'dan is um, officially the probably the most evil character in the entire lore, so just keep that in mind. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, uh, Kill Jaden pretty much says Gul'dan's in charge now and you just have to sit there and wait and he kind of just sits there in the corner like a sad sack for the rest of the novel Rise of the Horde. <laughs> kind of what, what he does. Alright, now we're going to fast forward several years now and Draenor is dying due to the demonic magic corrupting the land. So you know how the demons came in they corrupted all the, corrupted all the orcs, they tricked them, they duped them, right? Well, the land is dying now. The orcs had invaded Azeroth already. They lost the second war as well. This was pretty much the end of the orcs as they knew it because their homeworld was going to die. Right? Have you ever seen the Warcraft movie? Our homeworld is dying. Right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was actually Ner'zhul that decided that he could do something about it. And all he needed were three artifacts and he'd be able to pull it off. 
Number one, he needed the Book of Medivh. I'm not going to explain what that is, but just know it was the Book of Medivh. Number two, the Skull of Gul'dan. Oh yeah, he died. <laughs> oh yeah, and he also needed the Scepter of Sargeras. Mm, that's interesting. It's really not. I just named it that. Okay. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> Next up, Ner'zhul needed these things to open up portals to new worlds for the orcs to conquer since their homeworld was dying and that whole Azeroth thing didn't go so well. So they're like, eh, maybe third time's the charm for us on a different planet. <laughs> so some orcs pulled off this great bank heist and stole the artifacts and Ner'zhul got to work. Well, you could say his plan worked out a little too well. Kind of like an office space. He put the decimal in the wrong place and he messed up a mundane <laughs> detail. But instead of depositing $305,326.13 into an account, Ner'zhul managed to open up so many portals that the world was ripped apart and collapsed into the Twisting Nether. But just before that happened, to escape death, Ner'zhul jumped through a random portal. He's like, I'm out of here. Uh, he's, like, he's like, I'm going this way. Uh, you picked wrong. Like, he picked door number three. Yeah, he got to whammies. Total whammies. You lose! Good day, sir! What happened is he landed right in the arms of Kill Jaden, who was not happy to see him, because it's like, oh, it's you, the little traitorous little bitch that kind of, like, ruined everything, and now I'm just going <laughs> to blame everything on you since you're in front of me, and I have you now, and oh, I have a bunch of dreadlords that are going to torture you now. And that's what they did. So they tortured him for a very, very long time, and Delic yes. was nothing but a spirit left. He had no body. No, no more orkiness. He's just a spirit. Well, so like I said, they took all his frustration out on him, destroyed his body, and they kept his spirit around just to torment him further. And they're like, yeah, I'll just keep messing with him. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like punching a pillow. But instead, it's Ner'zhul. Well, finally, to wrap everything up, it was decided that they would take Ner'zhul and place his spirit into the Helm of Domination in Frostborn and send him to Azeroth, trapped in a block of magic ice. Jaden also tossed, tasked a bunch of his dreadlords to help out in any way they could while keeping an eye on Ner'zhul. His paranoia was worth it because Ner'zhul never gave up his hatred for Jaden for obvious reasons. Uh, and the Burning Legion, so he never intended to go along with their plan of making himself an instrument of the Burning Legion's eventual victory. So, I mean, if you kind of think about it, it's like, yeah, good job, Jaden. Why'd you pick him over like anyone else? All right. You want, you want to take the next few since that was a long one there, Allie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so after this, Jaina says, Obeying his new master, Arthur slew the Dreadlord and abandoned his troops as he pushed deeper into the frozen north. So sadly, not much is actually known what happened at this time, but he pretty much just disappeared into the frozen waste and returned looking like a Ba ba bass, wow. Bass player from a death metal band. <laughs> a bass player. So, yeah, he he, he just, he walked away. He did. And was like, okay, that's, okay, bye. <laughs> what's, what's up? Like, so, <laughs> it was a <the> whole thing. <laughs> but, moving on, because he did return looking like a bass player from a death metal band, which is true. <laughs> so, Gina says... When Arthas returned to Lordaeron, the kingdom rejoiced at the homecoming of its beloved prince. But that joy turned to ashes when Arthas entered the throne room and ran the accursed blade through his father's heart. Yep, that's, that's what happened. He, he, there was a reunion and... He came walking through the streets of Lordaeron, and it was beautiful, and everyone was cheering, and rose, petals. rose petals, and it was a whole, a whole thing, and and no one, apparently this and this, I'd never, never understood this. No one bothered to see what he looked like, and was like, "Hey, are you, are you feeling okay there with this? You're looking kind of, kind of pale, and like, how much my chemical changed? romance are you listening did to you, there, bud? Did What's going die, on? Did you dye your hair white? Like, what? <laughs> did we get to to a doctor? It was apothecary. Like, so nope, nope. And then he killed his father. <laughs> he killed Tyrannus, and the crown came off his head and rolled along the floor, and bloody. And and you can still hear in the throne room. I think it's still in the game. It is. Where if you if you turn up your ambiance and everything, you can hear how that conversation went when he walked in and Terrence is like, 
my son and I'm, I'm, I'm succeeding your father and death and yeah, that, that whole thing. It's, it's creepy and eerie and awesome. If you've never done it, highly suggest it. Did, did we get this one too? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you got it. So, Janet goes on to say, Arthur scourged the land in the name of the Lich King Ner'sul. To reach the throne of his master, Arthas had to face Illidan Stormrage. So who is Illidan Stormrage? Again, it's a it's a it's a whole thing with Illidan. Could be a whole episode. Basically, he is a night elf and a twin brother of Malfurion Stormrage. He was alive ten thousand years ago during the Legion's first attempt to destroy Azeroth, as we mentioned earlier, the War of the Ancients. During that time, he was a powerful magic user, but due to either jealousy abundance of overconfidence really just wanted to get it with Taronda and Taronda didn't really care about him like that Illidan changed sides and claimed he wished to help Sargeras rather than defend Azeroth but he claimed depending on who you believe one of two things happened either when Sargeras granted him a gift is when Illidan decided the Legion was the only real concern and would dedicate his existence to ending them by any means necessary or he just always thought that Either way, Illidan tends to fault Sargeras for giving him a glimpse into how vast the Legion truly was when he stopped pouting about not having his brother's girlfriend all to himself. <laughs> Their little awkward love triangle was, it, was very lopsided. Yeah, it was very lopsided. <laughs> it was like it was like a regular, it was just like they like each other and then Illidan's off in the corner going, man, I like her. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto's, you know, friend, friend, just friending him, friend, friend zone. Mm, yeah, that's 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 basically it. Yeah, yeah Uber friend zone. Mm-hmm. Uber Uber friend zone. But why did we have to fight Illidan? That's a weird story. And it goes like this: So ten thousand years ago, Illidan got a little too buddy buddy with the Legion, even though he was supposedly double agent and all defending Azeroth. Anyways, for his crimes, Illidan was locked away for. 10,000 years until the Legion tried to make the return during the events of Warcraft three. When his brother, Malfurion and his partner, Toronto Whisperwind found out the Legion was coming. Toronto decided to let Elodin out since he knew more about the Legion than anyone. And of course, Illidan knows all about it. Cause it's like my woman, you've come to me <laughs> and you're letting me out. And Toronto's like, no, we just, we just need to use you. It's, it's fine. So Illidan got to his old tricks and went even more demon mode when he just discovered and consumed the power within the skull of Gul'dan, the one Jin mentioned earlier. At this time, Malfurion didn't try to imprison him again. He just banished him. So Illidan escaped to the destroyed outer world of Draenor, or Outland, as it was being called now. And while he was there, he tried to take over the entire place. And it pretty much worked out, except Kil'jaeden realized his old pal from 10,000 years ago was hanging out in the Twisting Nether with him. Anyways, Kil'jaeden told him that he would need to destroy the Lich King because he had gone all renegade on them. And that's what they get for using someone that totally hated you and probably wanted all sorts of revenge on you. And, you know, it, I I don't know what they were thinking. Bad choice. So, Il- yeah, it's just it was a bad, bad choice. choice. Like, yeah, sure. You encapsulated him in ice. Okay, sure. You, you have sent Dreadlords to watch over him and try to control him. You didn't think for just a moment he would try and work to gain up the strength and the willpower over time to overcome all that and ruin all your plans? Like, that was never a thought in your cocky brain? No? Okay. But back to Illidan. <laughs> so, Illidan first tried to use a powerful artifact to destroy Ice Crown. But Malfurion went all EPA on him and was like, dude, you're going to cause global warming <laughs> or some shit like that. <laughs> So that didn't work, but it kind of did because also weakened the Lich King's powers. So I guess it's time to just try and kill Arthas before he can get to the top of Ice Crown. And there you have it. So that's why Arthas and Illidan had to fight because of the War of the Agents. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little story. It gets a little weird. All right. So after a grueling battle, the victorious Arthas ascended to the frozen throne. He drove his blade through the ice, releasing the spirit of Ner'zhul from its icy prison. The 
Two beings merged into one and became the true Lich King. And there you have it. A three-minute video explains it about roughly about an hour, almost. Yeah. 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 So, and there's a whole lot more we could get into. For example, we mentioned the boats. You want to talk about the boats? Yeah. Those are fun. Do it. Do it. So, one of the other things that Arthas decided to do is um, at one point, he had a little message from home when he was running around to Northrend going, I need to find Malgatis. Ah! Right, doing all that. Well, they basically said, uh, no, your dad found you and you need to come home right now. It, no, you need to come home right now. So rather than listening to him, he decided to burn all the boats. He decided to burn all the boats by hiring a bunch of mercenaries. He hired a bunch of mercenaries and he burned the boats. All right, because you're thinking, oh, yeah, Arthas, he went mad and all this stuff. This is actually before he found Frostmourne. So keep that in mind. Dude was going off the rails before he even found Frostmourne. So he had the mercenaries burn the boats. And then he told, oh, my gosh, men, look at those mercenaries. I mean, I, I mean, traitors, people that I no, I totally didn't hire them. They're just bad guys. <laughs> Kill them. <laughs> so, yeah, they burned all the boats. He can't go home. And he's like, oh, well, I guess we're stuck here. Got to find Melganis. Since we're here, that is what we were talking about with the boats. So Arthas, it wasn't just Frostmourne. The dude was losing it well before he found that sword. So it also explains why he picked it up and was just like, he got the sword and he was just like, see you later, Meridian. I got a sword now. And he just and he just left him there to die. Messed up. Anyway, do you have any more to add to this beautiful, lovely story there, Allie? No, it's pretty great. It is, it is really cool. If you watch the cinematic from the Warcraft 3 RTS game, when Arthas is climbing the Ice Crown Spire, all like the, the whispers and the, the different voices in his head telling him to do this, that, and the other, you know, he's thinking about his dad and he's hearing the whispers of the Lich King. And it's such a really awesome moment. And, you know, you see him first put on the Helm of Domination. And it's, it's just, it's pretty great. The, the whole, this, this whole story was one of the things to really actually get me into the Warcraft lore. And I've always had a soft spot for it. Yeah, me too. It's it totally what got me into it. Because um, it's actually... I've told the story before, but it's it's 100% what got me to play the game in the first place. It was the the story in Warcraft 3. I really liked Warcraft 3. Played it with a bunch of people in high school for a long time. But when I played the campaign and you finish the freaking Frozen Throne expansion, boy, it just it just ends on a cliffhanger. And you don't get to pick it up until Wrath of the Lich King. So for anyone who hasn't got to experience it, I hope you enjoy because it's, it's really great. Because then you get to have all the fun moments like the Wrathgate all over again. Mm, it's gonna be fun especially if you've never experienced it oh my gosh it's so good all of the expansion like when they started doing phasing and yes at times it was funky because you know your friend would be on different phasing you and there's a whole thing with trying to quest and blah 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 but it also allowed you to really feel like you were impacting the world in various locations and it just gave the game a different feel and I loved it and going through the Wrathgate when you get to, when you get to that moment after all the questing it uh, it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah, it it probably is either my favorite expansion or my second favorite. So that's why we are even here talking about it. And we didn't do a whole big uh, hullabalab about Burning Crusade because that wasn't my favorite expansion. Was that your favorite expansion, Allie? That's when I was first learning how to play the game at all because I started at the beginning burning 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 expansion burning crusade <laughs> and I don't know why I was trying to say burning expansion I first started in burning crusade and I didn't know how to do things by the end I did even like rated Gerizan content but yeah I was just learning the game I didn't know a whole lot of the story yet only a little bit yeah yeah well we are actually going to wrap this up nice and early today. Uh, it's going to be a nice and short one because you need to get back to your questing, I'm sure. So there you go. But we're going to go ahead and jump into the little bit that we always like to do and say a big thank you to our patrons. 
Yes, yes. Thank you, patrons. Our painkillers. <laughs> remember earlier in the show, I was like, you're our painkillers. Thank you for making this worthwhile, making us feel special. Well, it's true. You do. You make us feel special. So we want to take a moment to thank, make you feel special and say thank you for supporting us and keeping the show going. If you'd like to join their ranks and support the show, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash live, laugh, lore. And as we do every episode, we'd like to give the top patrons a special thank you. We have Daniel Dupree, Marjo Fishin, Ickes, Sarith, Nadun, Kamari, Bandalile, Mud, Chris Malore, Dungeon Master Burke, and Dracorus. Thank you all so very much for your continued support. It means a lot to us, and we really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Fantastic. You guys are all amazing. And thank you once again. Stories. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. All right. So this is a fun one. This is a fun one. I want to go a little bit of a different direction with this uh, episode, uh, this little story uh, that I normally choose. Because recently, a lot of people on the news channels have been talking about the new stunning images of the planet Neptune that were taken by the James Webb Telescope. But rather than just focus on these new images, I want to tell you a little story, just like we did a little bit ago. <laughs> right? Uh, tell you just a little story about how the James Webb came to be. All right. The very first conference that ever took place to ever consider building a space telescope that works like the James Webb does was in 1989. Because it was already known that in order to see everything they dreamed of seeing, they need a telescope that worked in the infrared. In case you didn't know, why you think Neptune looks the way it does in the images is because it is not actually taking images in the visible light. It is taking images in infrared. And the Neptune kind of gets all nice and bright in the infrared. So there you go. That's what it is. Very cool. Very, very freaking cool. And if you're going to build a telescope that works in the infrared and to capture light going back to the earliest point in the universe, you're going to need a very large mirror. It's so large, it's not going to be able to fit on the top of a rocket. So, how do you launch it into space if it's larger than a rocket? Well, you fold it up, of course. You just, you just fold it up because, you know, mirrors. Of course. Mirrors fold, <laughs> right? You're, I've folded a mirror before, right? Yeah, no. sure. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they totally fold. Well, anyway, the telescope is made out of 18 mirror segments made up of beryllium and is coated in gold that can fold up perfectly. In fact, the mirrors are so precise that there is only about 18 nanometers of error. So it's like, if it's like completely flat, the flatness is so freaking flat that the, the 18 nanometers in error, that is smaller than the size of a single bacteria. Wow. It's, it's flat. It's very flat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And not only does the telescope not have these practically perfect mirrors, it also has to operate at negative 400 degrees Fahrenheit to pick up the infrared light from the beginning of the universe. So they had to design the entire telescope to hold together at that temperature, right? So they actually had to build the thing wrong because, as you know, things expand in heat and then shrink and, you know, it's a... So they built it so that when it cooled down to that point, it would align up, oh, just so perfectly right. This guy's a freaking smart man. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, I can't imagine the work that goes into that. Oh, yeah, it, it's nuts. <laughs> so, like I said, they had to design the entire telescope to hold together at that temperature. But how do you get that temperature? How do you get the telescope that cold? Well, you send it one million miles away from Earth, and you have it orbit in what is known as Lagrange 2. Okay. There's a bunch of Lagrange spots out there in the world. They're basically gravity wells. That's what they're basically are. It's like there are little spots of gravity out there that are just the perfect distances from one body out there in space that they just kind of like hang out there. They're just like, nope, boop, boop, boop. And they just kind of hang. They're just, that's <laughs> the gravity is just, if like, you know, if Einstein or all that is correct in that it creates like, like little, it bends gravity, like, like the stuff actually bends gravity. These little Lagrange spots is our little wells where and things just kind of like whoop, whoop, whoop. It's kind of like, just, just hang out. It's kind of like those little, uh, little spinny things where you used to drop the coin in at the way back in the day. Remember that? And they would go, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. yeah, that was freaking awesome. I used to love that thing. 
<laughs> Allie's looking yep. at me weird now. She's like, what coins? What do you think? What? <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. And they also had to deck out the telescope with a reflective sun shield the size of a tennis court, which also had to be folded up as well. So just, just the amount of stuff that went into this, because, yeah, if you uh, if you stick the if you stick, stick it out into space, the side of the side of the telescope or the, yeah, the t- side of the satellite, which is also a telescope that is facing towards the sun that has the th- sun shield. It's like 200 degrees Fahrenheit or like even hotter. Like it's it's very hot because it's the sun beating down and there's no atmosphere to block it. Well, this sun shield is so freaking powerful is that on just on the other side, it is a negative 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. It's really, really That's intense. It's really good SPF, I guess. It's <laughs> <laughs> nuts. All right. And to make matters worse, if anything had gone wrong with the telescope, as it was being deployed, it would have been a complete failure, an absolute complete failure, because every little thing, there was like 181 steps that had to happen for the thing to unfold and position itself in uh, in place. It would have been an absolute failure because you can't send an astronaut a million miles away to go fix it. You, you keep, nope. Once you send it up there, you get you only you don't get any. You'll get a second chance like they did with the Hubble, because the Hubble. They had to send a dude up there to fix it. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> okay, so they can't send some minimized way. But with everything said and done, it took roughly 25 years and $10 billion for from conception to approval for launch. Now, the one thing that I thought was absolutely amazing about this that I didn't even know was a thing. Did you know the entire budget, the entire budget of NASA, one quarter of it, 25% of your entire budget, went to just this for over 25 years. Wow. Yeah, so, and it just, the and the fact that they were able to pull this off with this, just the utmost amount of care and precision and everything, the amount of stuff they had to do, they had to test it in a, uh, where they, they basically took it down to Houston. They had to package it up all nice and perfect. And then they stuck, shed it, shipped it over to Houston to stick it into like a, a freaking cooling chamber. With, and also... The thing had to unfold perfectly in zero G, so they were actually having to suspend it from cables just so perfectly to mimic zero G. Just the, wow. fact, the fact that these freaking scientists even pulled this off. I was just like watching everything about it. And I saw TikToks about this thing. I was just like, how? How did they? Wow. <laughs> I don't get it's it. It's impressive. It is the most in- astonishing thing. So the fact that we're even getting these amazing v- visuals uh, being produced by this telescope is just it is absolutely amazing, and yes, we're living the future, and it is amazing, and, and it's it, it's freaking phenomenal, and I love it. So there you go. That is where I'm going to leave it. So yes, that is an amazing ass telescope. It's the best. The, the pictures are mind blowing. Yeah, and Neptune is very pretty. <laughs> it is. Thank you so much for listening to Live Laugh Floor. If you have a topic or a question you'd like us to discuss, send us an email at lizlaflorecast at gmail.com. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash livelaughlore, and you can keep the show going for as little as a dollar an episode. You can watch Ali live on Twitch Sunday nights over at twitch.tv slash and you can watch Jin Monday nights at twitch.tv slash joint. You can also follow the show on Twitter at live underscore laugh underscore lore. You can follow Jin on Twitter at Jin's Joint and you can follow Ali at Ali Anders K. Meanwhile, be kind and take care. <laughs>